take your Bible, well, Psalm 139. I know Sidney Miller does as well. I wonder if there are others. If you, if you can sign, use the, uh, you can sign to the deaf. Are there any others? I know Sidney helps us sometimes when Kathy's gone. Are there any others? And Taven's taken it. Has anybody taken it in the past? Uh, okay. You have, Sharon, as well? I was telling Taven as we, she told us this Sunday night or Sunday night, Wednesday night after church, Sunday night, that I took it for about a year and I could literally, uh, I could lead somebody to the Lord in sign and I just, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Uh, and I lost it. I should get it back. Would you stand please we read God's word together? Psalm 139. I'm going to begin reading verse number 1. Please join me verse number 2 and every other verse until we close together at verse 10. Psalm 139.1 says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my downsetting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord... Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. I don't believe we're going to give you anything today that is going to be brand new information to you. I feel as pastor sometimes that as a church and we see what our church is going through and what we as a nation and a people are going through, that sometimes... It is my job as a pastor to help us to refocus, get our mind and heart around the things that we should be thinking of and leaning on. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about a God that is bigger than all of our fears. A God that is bigger than all of our fears. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for guests and visitors. What a pleasure it's been to have Sydney's family here with us and to meet many of them for the first time. We pray as... These dear folks go back home. You give them safety as they travel. Uh, Father, we do think about Nathan and Sydney, and I pray that you would help them to have a wonderful time and bring them back to us uh, safely. Father, we need your touch today. God, I pray, and I know that there are in this auditorium today many that are fearful, some about the pandemic in front of us, others about life's events as they unfold, some about a health matter. And Father, whatever our fears, I pray today that you through your spirit and your word would help us to understand how we can get our mind and heart off of these fears and that we might be placed, our mind and our, our thinking might be placed once again upon thee. I ask for your aid and your assistance this morning. I pray that you touch the need of my heart and each heart here today. Would you meet with us with power and conviction? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. trials you face turn into dark 
Ladies, take your Bible now back to Psalm 139. We'll primarily be uh, in each and every verse of Psalm 139, a God that is bigger than all of my fears. I don't ever want you to think as pastor, I'm not a medical, uh, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I try to learn up and study about what we're facing and so that we can help you. I want you to feel when you come to church, we've done everything that we can. Uh, to make certain you can come into this building and on our property with relative uh, sense of um, calmness that we have prepared for your coming. We're doing everything possible uh, to help and make certain that nobody comes to church necessarily and get uh, a disease or a virus. We can't guarantee you that. You can't guarantee you're going to go to Walmart and come back without it. I see something as a Christian, and I'm a Christian first and a pastor second, I see something as a Christian in our family, in our churches, that I see, an un, I believe, an undue fear in the lives of Christians over, over this pandemic. I think we should be wise. I think we ought to take every precaution. Uh, but I understand this, that our God is bigger than the coronavirus. But he's bigger. Our churches and nation and individuals live 
our lives and what we're going through, something unlike we've ever been through. Who would have thought that a little microbe from China would be able to bring our nations to its knees? Tomorrow, the Senate will vote on another $1 trillion stimulus plan. We have spent $4 trillion during the past more uh, we have spent more, four times more than our annual budget already, just on the virus. And as a nation, and we can't keep printing money. At some point, something's going to happen. Many economies have faltered and failed because there was nothing to back the currency that was printed. Our economy is brought to its knees Brother Travis, you and I sometimes talk about the stock market, and the stock market was, was going gangbusters before this pandemic. And then it took a crash. I've talked to some Christian people that we love and said in preacher, in one day I lost a quarter of a million dollars out of my retirement fund. It brought our economy down, brought it to its knees. It, many churches closed. And I believe this with all of my heart, that there are many godless governors and mayors, and even sad to say, the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday ruled against, uh, day before yesterday ruled against us, the Chief Justice. Can you imagine this? In the state of Nevada, you can be a casino and operate at 50% capacity. You have a casino that'll... that'll House 500 people, you can have 250. But the governor said, churches can only have 50. Seem fair to you? Mr. Roberts somehow and four other liberals on the Supreme Court said, churches have no special privileges and special right. I believe as pastor at some time, we have to stand. I believe as pastors, sometimes we have to say this is God's house. God has called us. We're going to do everything we can to obey the civil authorities. The, the message this morning is not whether you're for or against, but as a child of God living in a sinful and a lost society, we will always be faced with situations that seem to challenge our faith. It is vital that we respond to the pandemic differently than the lost world. We have two choices. We can live in that of faith or we can live in fear. Faith is the ability to believe in and on God when the circumstances say it's hopeless. But as a child of God, this morning in my own personal Bible study, I read through the book of Esther. You know the story in the book of Esther. You know that how wicked Haman built a gallows 50 cubits high to hang Mordecai. It seemed hopeless and helpless. The king had signed an edict that would annihilate all the Jews in the kingdom. Do you remember what Mordecai said to Esther? God has brought you into the kingdom. Say it with me if you know it. For such a time as this. Did it end up well for Mordecai? Did it end up bad for Haman? It sure did, didn't it? I just like when I read that, I just kind of, there's a little bit of rebellious streak in me, and I read that and just do an arm punch, all right? Can I say this to you, child of God? It's going to end up okay for us. 
But on this side of heaven, we're going to be faced with situations that we have to face by faith alone. I can, I can dwell in faith or I can dwell in fear. And fear is the emotion that I feel when trouble overwhelms me. It affects me. I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, please. Many of these verses are going to be up on the screen. Exodus chapter 14. You know the story behind this. God's chosen people are being led by Moses out of the land of Egypt. God had promised them a land that flowed with milk and honey. Moses is going to lead them. But as soon as they get to their first obstacle, the Red Sea, and they hear the hoofbeats of, of the horses and Pharaoh's chariots behind them, they panic. I believe this with all of my heart. Careful we ought to be, concerned we ought to be, but panic we should not be over a pandemic. So here in Exodus chapter 14, if you look, God gave them a great victory. But right before that victory, when they said, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Why don't you return us to the leeks and garlics of Egypt? Can you imagine this? Leeks and garlics are not a meal. They're a condiment. Hopefully you didn't eat a meal of leeks or garlics before you came today. If so, we have some breath mints for you after church. All right? Leeks and garlics, you don't sit down to a meal of leeks and garlics. But they would rather return to bondage and eat, leek, uh, eat leeks and garlics than they would to be faced with the trouble. And I see this in so many Christians today. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know I'm not going to leave my house. I'm afraid to, to go out into public. Well, look at what happened. God tells Moses what to do. Look at verse number 13. And Moses said unto the people, I'm going to show you God's formula for any trying time, for any child of God. He gives us three things here. I would tell you today, when we look at this, Moses and the Egyptians are trapped. The Red Sea's before them. It's impassable. The armies of Pharaoh are behind them and gaining on them. They're trapped. You feel like that this morning? Some of us think about this, this pandemic or whatever it might be has got me trapped. I want to show you God's formula here. And this works in any type, any time in life when we don't understand what is going on. And Moses said unto the people, verse 13, what's the first thing? Fear ye not. What's the second thing? Stand still. And what's the third thing? And see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you've seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Would you read the first several words of verse 14 together? The Lord shall fight for you, and he shall hold your peace. And you shall hold your peace. Stand, fear ye not. Stand still. I remember in the mo one of the most trying times of ministry here, as I went back to my office and thought there was no way forward, that I would have to resign as pastor. And I remember getting a piece of paper out and placing it on my desk and getting a pen out ready to write that letter of resignation. And I remember for just a moment the Lord speaking and said, put your pen down. And the Lord directed me to Psalm 46. 
Verse number 10. Be still and know that I'm God. I devoured that psalm. I got out all my study books and I tried to do this. I'm very limited in Greek or Hebrew, but I tried to look at each and every word and to see what that psalm meant. What was God telling me to do? To be still. That be still is the Hebrew word rapa. It means to go limp, to stop trying, to stop trying to go forward, stop trying to find an answer to it. And he's saying this, fear not, stand still. Oftentimes we don't see the salvation of the Lord because we go forth in our own power, our own energy, and we try to find our own way out of the situation. We have one of two choices. We can either serve God in faith, whether there's a pandemic in front of us, or we can see all around us and be overcome with the troubles and live a life of fear. Fear is not God's formula for troublesome times. When faith enters, fear flees. Satan uses fear to trap us. God uses faith to remove our fears. And so we live in one or two of those realms. This morning, I would like to encourage us to once again look at God. A God that is bigger than all of our fears. I believe that we as children of God should refuse to live in fear because of a pandemic that God is totally and completely in in control of. So how can we be removed from these fears? We're just going to look at Psalm 139 and let it answer it. Let the word of God. I say this first of all, hope in God's power. Did God lose any of his power when that microbe from China came to our shores? So we hope this morning in God's power in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19, the Bible says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Are you a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ? So is it saying to us that He works in our lives according to that wonderful power, that exceeding great power? Why are we responding as a nation and a people as if we're powerless? In Christ, that power is available unto us. When life seems to be out of control, God wants us to remember His power. The Bible commands us to pray for one another that the power of God might be known and released in our lives. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20 and 21 Joshua put it up on the screen. I think many of these are up on the screen. I'm turning there. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20 and 21. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? The power that worketh in him. Look at your Bible. Worketh in us. Whose power? Whose power works in us? It's not my power, not my my power, nor my strength. Uh, Zechariah 4.10, I believe, says, it's His power. Look at verse 21. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without, uh, uh, watch this, world without end. Amen. God has the power to do all He wants. His plans will be carried out to perfect completion. I studied and I read every place this week in the Word of God, over 60 places where the word Almighty is described. 
I watched as God appeared to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12 and Sarah and Abraham and Sarah in chapter number 15 as Abrahamic covenant came down. I watched as that word almighty God is saying to Abraham and Sarah, I know you're past the ability to, to, to uh, bear children, but I am the almighty God and I will open up the womb and you're going to have miraculous son in your old age. And did an almighty God accomplish that? He certainly did. Hope in God's power. Look at what Job said in chapter 42 and verse number 2. He said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. I believe this all we can. And I'm not making fun of you, honestly. If you're in here and you were a supporter of Barack Obama and you watch it, what was his chant? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And he marched right into the White House. Yes, we can. He got us chanting it. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I think about this as a child of God. We should stop chanting, yes, we can. And we should unite with one voice and say, yes, he can. Where I am weak, he is strong. Where I am limited, he is unlimited. Where I am powerless, he is powerful. Is that the God that we serve? What causes us to serve and watch a God that is able to alleviate us of our fears because He is mighty. God is mighty in His mercy. If you're here this morning, Brother Levi prayed about this, the first prayer in the auditorium this morning. If there's one here that does not know Christ as Savior, that you can come to know Him by His saving grace. He's mighty in His mercy. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what sins I've committed. Aren't you glad that we have an almighty God and He's mighty in mercy? If you'll come and just acknowledge yourself a sinner lost and undone, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He'll receive you and you'll experience God's mighty mercy. He's mighty in wrath. I don't like what's going on in our country. The ones that are burning our buildings and tagging and going after our law enforcement are not people that love this country that we love. This week, I remember doing a thesis in Bible college. And we had to choose one great American leader that was a non preacher or evangelist a great American leader and I did mine on General Lee one of the greatest generals America ever had a godly man a man that led his troops and saw he would lead his troops in prayer and he would pray before he'd march his troops forward. Uh, General Lee knew God as his Savior, Christ as Savior, and he led a group of men. They took his statue down in Virginia in the dark of night. And I'm going to say this to you. Our country is going through revolution because some of the people in front of us don't know the founding of this country. And I think about this, aren't you glad that God is not only mighty in mercy, but He's mighty in wrath. He is mighty in wisdom. He's more, he knows more than enough to help you in a time of crisis. Once you've accepted Christ as Savior, no one can remove you from God's power. Aren't you glad? We're going to look at that in Psalm 139 in just a moment. I don't know a lot about this man, so I called Brother Allen and he filled me in. John Lennon. 
John Lennon was a leading vocalist and a guitarist for the Beatles. One time he bragged, we're more popular than Jesus. You remember that? We're more popular than Jesus. John Lennon was staying in a motel with a godly evangelist. He asked for some time with that evangelist and listened to what John Lennon said. He said, is it true? The point itself, is it true? If I want happiness, I don't want to keep living on with drugs and sexual addictions. Explain to me what Christianity can do for me. Is it real or is it phony? Can God love me? Can he forgive me? I want out of my hell. What would your answer to John Lennon be? This God that we serve is an almighty God. He's great in mercy. And John Lennon, if you'll just turn to him, he'll accept you and he'll love you and he'll forgive you. It wasn't but two weeks after that as he and his and Yoko Ono were walking into their motel room there that a deranged man walked up right behind him. John Lennon had already signed an autograph an hour early, and that man walked up right behind him and shot him four times. As far as I know, John Lennon never accepted God's mercy and offer of forgiveness, but you can. Our God is mighty in mercy. Does God have the power to change a human heart that trusts Him by faith? God cannot be stopped from accomplishing His purposes. We see that in Proverbs chapter 21. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. Does it sound like to you that maybe the Supreme Court took counsel against the Lord this week? That's what it looks like to me. How can, now watch this, I love this, Ted Cruz said this. He said, okay, fellas, might have to bring some gaming into the church. Don't touch them. <laughs> Don't touch them. But bring it into the church because it's okay if you go to a casino and fill the 50%, but you can't go to church. Aren't you glad that no counsel can come against the Lord? But another verse, not only Proverbs, but Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Remember when Mary is understanding that she's going to give birth to the Christ child and, and an angel visits both her and, and, and Joseph and she doesn't understand it all. And the angel says to Mary, for with God nothing shall be what? Impossible. I don't know about that mountain that's before you. I don't know about this morning what you're facing. I don't know if you're filled for this pandemic. I'm not trying to erase that fear, but I'm trying to tell you as a child of God, we can't seek to live in fear every day, every week, every month, month after month, till something happens with this. I would remind you of God's power. I would remind you that God does whatsoever He pleases. It's in Psalm 115, verse 3. It says, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He pleased. In Psalm 135, verse 6, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that He did in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all deep places. Is that the God that you serve? He does whatever He pleases. This is the sovereign, almighty God. God is superior to all other powers. I promise you this, I wish I knew better. I am reading, I am talking to, I have spoken to more pastors of larger churches than ours 
than I've ever spoken to in all my pastorate. I want to make sure that you believe that pastor's leading properly as we come back together. And I promise you, I wrestle with this. What time and when, I, when do we yield to civil authority and when do I understand God has called us to do this and we, we come together? I want you to know that I grapple with that and I don't easily lay down the idea of going against civil authority. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 41 says this in Mark chapter number 4. And verse number 41, look, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? Remember the story here? Christ is with his disciples. He's asleep in the ship, and all of a sudden a storm comes. I mean, a bad one. These were fishermen. They'd seen many a storm, but this one they're worried about. Master, cares not that, thou, that we perish? And Jesus came aboard and he rebuked the wind. And then they said what we just read. Is that the God that you serve? That God that has everything under his control. God does whatsoever he pleases. God is superior to all other powers. I want you to go back to Psalm 139. I want to break it down real quickly. Look at verse number. We read verse number 1 through 6. Those verses tell us we are surrounded by God's knowledge. Verses 7 through 12, we read through verse 10. Look at verse 7. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I send into, up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light upon me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Verse 7 through 12, we understand this. We're surrounded by God's presence. Verse 13 through 18, we're surrounded by God's power. Verse 19 through 24, we're surrounded by the pure justice of God. Aren't you glad, child of God, no matter where you are, you're surrounded by the elements of an all-powerful, almighty God? We remember God's power. Number two, I want us to see this. We marvel at God's artistry. Look at verse number 13 through 18. For thou possessed me, hath possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me where? In my, In my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. What is he talking about? And in thy book are all my members were written, which is in continuance were fashioned, when at yet there was none of them. How many of you men thought about this? When I went to school, I was the runt of the class, myself and Michael Wiley. We were the runts. When I was a freshman in high school, I was four foot and eight and a half inches. I'm sorry, eighth grade. Four foot and eight and a half inches, and I weighed 84 pounds. I grew a bunch between eighth grade and ninth grade. Michael and I would back up each year as we come back to school. We'd back up, see who grew the most, who carried the title of runt of runts. I remember thinking about this. We had a tall, lanky young fella in our class that I looked up to. His name was Patrick Hensley. Any of you ever throw the discus? 
He was state champion. Skinny little scrawny kid. But man, he'd corkscrew himself. He'd get down there and he'd spin that thing and throw that discus and it just keeps sailing. And I thought, Lord, why can't I be tall like Patrick Hensley? Then we had a guy that threw the shot put. His name was Michael Brewer. Take that. What are they? Anybody throw the shot put here? Anybody do shot put? Eight pounds, aren't they? Eight pounds? Stephanie, you threw the shot put. Are you serious? All right. I think they're eight pounds, aren't they? Eight or 12 pounds? He was. Some of you grew up on a farm. You know what a John Deere 4040 tractor, probably, Brother Brad, you know what that tractor looks like? When he was in sixth grade, a John Deere 4040 tractor ran right over him. He survived. God, if you can't make me tall and lanky like Patrick Hensley, can't I be stocky and built like Wyman Brewer? Had a sister, had long hair. She could sit on it. Younger than I was, and she never put her hair up. And I said to her one time, I kind of said, Lynette, why don't you ever put your hair up? Next Sunday, she did. She realized my dad had real big ears, and my mom had small ears, and she got one of each. <laughs> I said, you really shouldn't put your hair up. <laughs> you should leave your hair down. Huh? How many of you wrestle with how God made you? How many wrestle understand? I wish I was taller. I wish I was bigger. I wish... Aren't you glad and doesn't the Bible tell us here that he formed you in your mother's womb? God does some of his greatest work. Augustine said this, People go everywhere from the tallest mountains to the mightiest billows of the sea, the tides of the river or even the circuits of the stars above. But they pass right by themselves when looking for God's power. George Gallup, the great American statistician, said this, I could prove God statistically. Take the human body alone. The chance that all functions of the body would just evolve and happen is statistically impossible. One doctor on a TED Talk said this, One time you're a little tiny single cell, yet you begin dividing. You never worked so hard in all of your life, never again such skill and certainty. At a certain stage, only a few hours old, you sorted yourself out and became systems of cells, each specifically labeled for what it would become. Some a brain, some a liver, some a gallbladder, some a kidney, and eyes, the whole gamut. All of these systems now signal to each other, calculating their territories. Now listen to what this famous doctor said. Yet, had it been left to me to do the mapping of my cells, I would have gotten it all wrong. But God got it all right. God is here pictured as a skillful weaver weaving the substance of your physical body to please Him. As a mighty craftsman, He chooses the color of your hair and your eyes, the height of your stature, the nature of your spirit and your soul. Look at verse number 13 and 14. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. We praise God for His power. We praise Him all for His, His spectacular artistry that He does in our lives, in our bodies. Associate Professor Dr. Alexander Tisaris of Me Yale Medical School said this, By the time you're nine months old, you have almost 60,000 miles of blood vessels inside your body. 
And we are an adult more than 100,000 miles laid, when laid end to end. And only one mile is visible to the naked eye. The other 59,999 can only be seen through a microscope that are basically bringing nutrients and taking waste out of your body are not visible to the naked eye. Hasn't the creator God put his fingerprint all over us? Huh? The source of all of this is God's power, is God's power in giving us life. Ladies in here, I hear this and I hear this. I've heard Christian ladies say this. Mamas, don't ever say this. You're a mistake. You're an accident. No, you're not. Don't ever say that. Maybe you and your husband didn't plan, but God did. And that little life is precious. He gave you life. He's powerful in giving us life. He's power in directing our lives. His power in sustaining our life. Somebody said this in the song, and I, we don't coordinate this, and I love how God puts a service together. Do you know that God is already at your tomorrows? Preacher, I'm worried about tomorrow. God's already there. He's already at your tomorrows. Just go quickly. Rest. We must rest in God's powerful plan. Verse number 16 of chapter 139. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book are all my members were written, which his continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. President Dwight D. Eisenhower's son, John, asked his father about the failed attempt of the Bay of Pigs. Some of you remember JFK and the, bailed, the Bay of Pigs invasion. Eisenhower's son, John, asked him about that and said, Dad, what about that Bay of Pigs invasion? And the former president answered him this way, I don't run no bad invasions. Remember D-Day? Eisenhower planned a great invasion on D-Day, didn't he? We lost a lot of men, but it was a successful invasion. If one of the greatest generals and then presidents of our time could stand up and say, I don't, I don't do any bad invasions, if that's true of a former general and president, how much more for God? God's planning for your life began before you were ever born, and He's planned each and every day. John Wesley said this, in the will of God, I am immortal. He plans every day. He, he numbers the very hairs of your head. He understands. He knows that we don't have time to look at it. Here, David said in the book of Psalms, he knows my downsetting, my uprising. God knows everything about you. Amen. Knows everything about me. Lastly, as we close, trust God's powerful mind. Look back in your Bible, if you would, verse number 13 through 18. We read verse 13 through 15. Word verse number 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. How often does God think of you? Thinks of you all the time. Now, wait a minute. Economics, I don't know if this is taught anymore in, in high school, should be. If I have two apples and you want one, are they pricey? If I have a bushel of apples, are they less expensive? The more apples I have, the price goes down. The fewer apples I have, the price goes up, right? Now watch this. The reverse is true here in these scriptures. How many times does God think about you? All the time. You're on God's mind. And watch this. Look at verse number 18 there. What does he say? 
If I should count them, they are more a number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Usually the scarcity of an item makes the value greater. When there's plenty of something, the value is diminished. The reverse is true in these verses here. God has many thoughts of you, too numerous to count. Do you believe this? I believe this. Who am I that God thinks on me? The all-powerful, the almighty, wonderful God who made the universe thinks on me. I ask you this as we bring the message. How then can I be fearful? Preacher, you're a little bit cocky. I don't want to be cocky. I don't want to be cocky. But I'm thinking about this. Neither do I want to live in fear of what possibly could happen to me. I have a God that is in control of everything in my life. God knows the worst about me, and He loves me anyway. I want you to stand. I want us just to leave the auditorium this morning. We're going to have an invitation. But before we go to invitation, I'm going to ask Brother Josh puts, do you serve a great God? Okay, I know there's a pandemic out there in front of us. I know the economy's crashing. I know the political winds are blowing. I know all around us we've got some things that we just don't know how we're going to get through. For a while, would you remember the Almighty God? For a while, will you remember His power? For a while, will you remember His knowledge of you and His wisdom towards you and His artistry in making you? I want us to sing this song together. We'll sing one verse in a chorus. We'll bow our heads. We'll go into a chorus. I want us to leave with this this morning. How great our God is. I'll try and lead this this morning if we can together. Sing it from your heart to the Lord. Are you ready? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, here's our God, listen, sing it from your heart to the Lord, then sings my soul, my Savior God to How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art.